Hey everyone, it's Jonathan and welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon. Like I did with the last episode, I'll be leaving the original audio intact from back when it was part of the iHeart podcast. I had yet to change the name of the podcast to iHeart Movies. Anyway, I'll probably be doing this with the next few episodes, so you just have to ignore any references to past or upcoming episodes as they are talking about the original podcast. Okay, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the I Heart Podcast. My name is Jonathan North, and welcome to the second episode of my month-long celebration of Fantasia. Today's episode is about the live-action remakes that have sprung from Fantasia, namely the 2010 Sorcerer's Apprentice, but my guest Katie Fabric and I talk a bit about 2018's The Nutcracker and the Four Realms, and we touch briefly on a proposed adaptation of the Night on Bald Mountain sequence. When I first had the idea for this Fantasia series, I knew I wanted to cover The Sorcerer's Apprentice because part of what I want the Disney Movie Marathon to be about is the legacy of the animated films, which includes everything from sequels to live-action remakes. And while The Sorcerer's Apprentice is not completely a remake of Fantasia, it did originate from one of Fantasia's most iconic scenes, and it is a full film in its own right, so I figured it deserved a little more than a mention. Once I decided to do this episode, I needed a co-host. Sarah was not interested in watching this one, so I decided to do a little digging on Twitter and asked my followers if anyone even remembered The Sorcerer's Apprentice, because it really has kind of faded into obscurity these past few years. It's never really even brought up in discussions of Disney's live-action remakes, which seems like would be the most likely place for people to remember it. The first person, and actually the only person, to respond to me was Katie Fabric, who told me that she loved the film, and it had actually been one she'd grown up watching with her siblings, which was perfect. Katie has joined me on my channel before, and I even reused our review of A Cat in Paris as a podcast episode a couple weeks ago, so I asked her if she wanted to join me for this episode and talk about everything she loved about The Sorcerer's Apprentice. So I guess to start, why don't you give me some backstory on your experience with this movie? Okay, so um, it's kind of funny. So when I was younger, my family would have movie nights and my parents would pick a movie and the whole family get together, we make popcorn and we'd all watch a movie together. And this was one of those movies and I was 13 at the time. So like, I was just like, oh, it's fantasy, but it's in the real life world you know and so like that was just totally my jam when I was 13 so I instantly fell in love with it you know I really liked the actors when I was a kid and so it just all just was a beautiful little burrito of love for me and so <laughs> it's so nostalgic I still really enjoy the movie just because of how much I enjoyed it as a kid I can see a lot of people didn't like it apparently <laughs> when you look <laughs> up at the reviews I was like it's not that bad guys but yeah, so that's my history of this movie. And I've been, I mean, I could probably quote a lot of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, when the movie came out, I, don't, I never saw it in theaters. And I don't remember how long it was before I actually saw it. It, was, it probably wasn't that long. I think we borrowed it from the library or something. I remember watching it at my cousin's house. I think they had borrowed it. And that was the only time I watched it. And I pretty much forgot the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought there was a Pegasus in this movie and there was not a Pegasus. I think maybe yeah. I was getting confused with the Eagle, but I was, I just kept waiting for a giant Pegasus to show up. And I was like, where is it? I think I was mixing up Anastasia, the old, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Movie, but it looks like a Disney movie. There's a giant gray Pegasus in that. I think yeah. I just thought that there was something similar in this one because of the Eagle. 
I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I totally forgot about everything in the movie. <laughs> I remembered Nicolas Cage and that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> so between when you saw it when you were a lot younger and now, how did it hold up? How do you feel about it now? So um, I honestly still think it's a pretty decent movie. Um, it's still kind of cliche and, you know, there's, there's not much to the story itself, but I think the characters are pretty solid with what they're given. I mean, how else, I mean, like, I don't know how else you can make a two-hour movie based off of that Mickey short. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, if I was told, make a movie about this Mickey Mouse short, but you have to have humans, like, I would be like, well, well, what do I do? So you have to create this whole different story. I actually, when I was a kid, didn't even know it was about the same story because I didn't know that Mickey Sharp was called Sorcerer's Apprentice. Mm-hmm. So when the mop scene happened, I was like, oh, cute little Easter egg because it's Disney. <laughs> so I was just like, that's funny, you know, magical worlds. But then I was like, wait, it's this, it's an adaptation. Uh-huh. So... I guess as an adaptation, it fails. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I mean, I guess that one specific scene was a decent homage, but yeah. the, rest of the movie really had nothing to do with <laughs> The Sorcerer's Apprentice, the original no. one. <laughs> I think I read that this basically was Nicolas Cage's idea. He wanted to do a movie where he had magic powers and Somebody showed him that short, and they brainstormed the idea of turning the short <laughs> into a full-length feature, just just so he could play a wizard. <laughs> and really, the whole thing was basically just Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> so my thoughts on it now, having completely forgotten about it, this was basically like watching a brand new movie for me. It was good. It wasn't great. Mm. It, was, it was very cheesy. But the actors, I think, really helped it to not be terrible. <laughs> like yeah. if, they, if they had had not the greatest actors, this whole thing would have fallen apart because the script was not that great. It was no. very cheesy. <laughs> it relied a lot on the special effects. And they were there was a lot of special effects. And they looked really good. There were some scenes that were really amazing. But if they had been only relying on that, it wouldn't have been good. But (laughs) really elevated it. Like, Nicolas Cage, if you like Nicolas Cage, this is the movie you're going to like. I really like (laughs) Baruchel. Uh, Alfred Molina, I completely forgot they were in this movie. I think, I probably didn't even know who Jay Baruchel was back when the movie first came out. I've only gotten to know him recently because i recognize his voice in the how to train your dragon series yeah this is a popular movie to watch um with my siblings because we all watched it when we were kids so we all have a nostalgia feeling but we totally mystery science theater it because it's so much fun (laughs) and we'll just all try to do our best impression of his voice saying i'm a wizard now (laughs) so so combine it and then we just it's just a fun movie to watch with people as well because you know, it, it's not a bad movie, and I mm-hmm. think people kind of trashed it when it came out, and I mean... Yeah, if they're, if they're going into it looking for things to pick apart, 
they're going to find things to pick apart. Oh, but if, you're, if you're just going into it wanting some entertainment, it's a very entertaining movie. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very watchable. The actors really, really make it worth watching for me anyway. Yeah. I found a few, like little interesting things about it. I didn't know if this, these would be things that you would know, but the different things that come to life in the movie, mm-hmm. did you know that those are actual real things in New York? Like the Eagle? That's actually a feature on the Chrysler building. Oh, I think like, I knew about that one, but that bull is real? Yes, the bull. The bull is golden bull. <laughs> yes, it's like an actual famous artwork. And I, I wouldn't have known that back when I first watched it. But a couple of years ago, there was this, my, I don't know, controversy or whatever. Someone, a different artist, built a statue of a little girl and set it in front of the bull. So basically, it looked like the bull was, or the girl was facing off against the bull. And the artist of the bull was upset about this because he thought that it changed his meaning of his original piece that he made and i guess it kind of did because this little girl facing off against it gives it a whole new context mm-hmm. i don't i don't even remember how that whole thing sorted out i don't remember who won i think there might have been some sort of a lawsuit i don't know but i remember the that was a big thing like a year or two ago and i wouldn't have known that that bull statue was anything back when i first watched it but seeing it now after i had read about that happening I'm like, oh, yeah, that's an actual real statue (laughs) in New York. (laughs) So as I was a little uninformed as to the ultimate outcome of this artwork, I thought I'd do a little research and fill in the gaps here before we continue. The statue of the little girl is called Fearless Girl and was installed on International Women's Day as an advertisement for an index fund for companies that have a higher than average number of women in leadership. There was no lawsuit, but the artist of Charging Bull did object to the statue as it was both an ad and a political statement, and its presence changed the perceived meaning of his artwork. Fearless Girl was moved at the end of 2018 and now stands facing opposite the Wall Street Stock Exchange building, which to me seems like a better fit and more meaningful than its original placement since it's no longer co-opting someone else's art to make a statement, and there really is no ambiguity of having it face off against Wall Street itself. Anyway, I just thought all that was interesting and kind of important to fill in that gap since I brought it up in the first place. Okay, back to the show. At the very beginning, when it first started, like... Because I had not seen the movie in so long, and I, I wasn't, I'm not, I'm still not exactly sure how old Jay Baruchel is. I thought when I first started watching, I was like, wait a minute, is that little kid? <laughs> I, like, I didn't remember him being so young. I forgotten that there was this whole prologue at the beginning with him as a child, and it's played by a different actor, of course. It's like yeah. this is so weird. It doesn't really seem like him at all. <laughs> And then, yeah. then you like fast forward ten years, and I was like, "Oh wait, it wasn't him. <laughs> this is him." Because now I recognize his voice because I'm much yeah. more familiar with his voice thanks to the How to Train Your Dragon series. Yeah, but I thought they did a very good job at the beginning, making it feel really early two thousands. I don't know why. There was just something about it. It just felt early two thousands, which. It doesn't really seem like it's that long ago, but it's been 19 years since the turn of the century, the turn of the millennium, and somehow they captured that feeling. I don't know if it's the music or what, but it just, it felt like that era, which was weird to think about for me. (laughs) Yeah, I think they did a good job with costuming as well. 
because when you look at old um, outfits kids used to wear in the early 2000s, you're like, oh, yeah, we used to wear stuff like that and think it was cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there was another Easter egg about, like, that directly tied into Fantasia. Have you ever watched the end credits? Yeah. Like, the end credits? The hat, the sorcerer's yeah. hat is, is after the end credits. <laughs> It's like in the shop or something, and I think there's. I think they're like insinuating that Horvath survived, because like yeah. there's a hand picks up the hat. Like, <laughs> uh, were they were they planning on making a sequel and then they decided not to after it didn't <laughs> go over very well? <laughs> I mean, if we get a sequel where he gets to wear the Disney hat. I have all in for that. <laughs> I would be too, actually. I actually wouldn't mind a sequel to this. Like, it's it's cheesy, slightly forgettable, but the performances were what made it good. And yeah. I would I would happily watch all these characters do something else. Yeah, they all like played off each other really well, which I, you know, mm-hmm. worked yeah. really well. Nicholas Cage and Jay, and they just all work together, and you're just like. Oh, this is fun. It just feels like hanging out with some friends. <laughs> the friends <laughs> where one of them is trying to kill the other ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really did like Alfred Molina as Horvath, though. He was a great villain. Yes. He was a lot of fun to watch. Yes, he's a great actor. Well, I think that's all I have for that movie. But were you able to watch The Nutcracker and The Four Realms? I was. So. Yeah. <laughs> my thoughts can be found like pretty in depth because I was on Saul Carlos's channel. We did a whole podcast on her channel about that movie. So uh-huh. people probably know a lot of my thoughts, but what what was yeah. your overall thoughts about that? Um so a few positives that I found was the actors weren't so bad. I thought they were going to be worse from their um from the trailers. I'm like, eh, they're not so great. Um, but they weren't terrible like I thought they were going to be. And I did like the clockwork. Mm -hmm. I thought that looked really cool with like how the gate opened with like just some crazy mechanism. You're like, it would have just been so much easier if you just opened the door. But it just, (laughs) (laughs) I just like that, um, kind of clockworkness. Um, it's just kind of has this aesthetic that I really like. The costuming was interesting. It felt very, um, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland sometimes. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I looked at the timestamp and I'm like, oh, I'm most of the way through. I only have 20 minutes. What happened? <laughs> I was like, I didn't feel like much happened or like not much needed uh-huh. to happen. I think the thing that bothered me the most though was how was he a nutcracker? <laughs> She's just like, oh, a nutcracker. And I'm like, okay, I guess. He looks like a person to me. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot about that movie that was confusing. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and Sugar Plum's voice, I don't know what about it. It just <laughs> hurt my head. I was like, please, please stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it's sad when we both agreed, when I did the podcast with Saul, we both agreed that our favorite thing was the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yes! <laughs> that's that's not even really a, a like a diss against the movie, but like they did the whole ballet thing during the end credits. I was like, mm-hmm, yeah. if they made a whole movie like this, I would have loved this. 
But instead, yeah. they saved all that and did it all at the end. It was like, why did you make the end credits so much better than the rest of the movie? <laughs> and the rest of the movie, I mean, it had so much potential, I thought. Like, everything looked great. Like, I feel like the way I feel about this movie is probably the way other people feel like about Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Like, I like that movie, but I like Alice in Wonderland. I like his aesthetic. And I feel like people probably, the ones who hate that movie, and I know there are a lot of people who hate that movie, they probably feel like that the same way I feel about this. It's a lot of flash and not much substance. Yeah. I guess that is technically true about Alice in Wonderland, but I don't care. I still like it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, like, Alice in Wonderland was pretty contained, um, especially the first one. I felt like this was like, we have four realms, but we're only going to show you a mini montage about it. Yeah, really. It, it was like, well, what's the point of the four realms then? <laughs> what's well, the point of anything? I, I think the four realms were supposed to be an homage to the Nutcracker scene from Fantasia. And I yeah. think it's the only serve, purpose that they serve. Because... Yeah. They're like the glimpses that you saw of them, they were very reminiscent of the different scenes from Fantasia. Just I don't know, the colors, the iconography, just little things here and there looked sort of Fantasia esque, but they didn't linger on them very long, and you didn't get very much of a good look at them. Yeah, it's like they really it really seemed it could have been a matte painting, and you'd just be like. Now you just yeah. saved yourself thousands of dollars, Disney. <laughs> there was a lot of things that they could have saved money on with this movie. It's just like, it felt like they were shoveling money in and it didn't make it any better and they just kept shoveling money in. <laughs> just throw Morgan Freeman in there. Maybe it'll fix itself. <laughs> it didn't help a whole lot. <laughs> there were a couple other nods to Fantasia, though, to the mushrooms. There was a lot of mushrooms in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed them, like in the wood scene, the red mushrooms. I think they're they're supposed. Oh yeah. They're probably supposed to be a nod to the Chinese dance sequence from the Nutcracker ballet mm-hmm. part of Fantasia. And then during the ballet scene, the conductor, like it was framed. Very much like yeah, Leopold yeah. Stokowski from the Fantasia scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one I caught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was subtle. Very subtle. Like, they were all very subtle. There was, it was basically just like little homages to Fantasia rather than trying to adapt the entire thing like the Sorcerer's Apprentice was. Yeah. So but, you got Sorcerer's Apprentice, which I think is a good way to make a Mickey short into a live action movie, and then you got uh, Nutcracker, and you're like, yeah, that's not a good way of doing it. <laughs> no, I think the Nutcracker was more supposed to be more based off of an old book that I've never read, but from what I can tell, they didn't adapt it very well. Like A lot of stuff that happened in the movie was just made up for the movie, and I'm like, why? Like, I don't really understand why they felt like they needed to make the Nutcracker and the Four Realms the way they did. Why not Why not adapt the ballet better mm-hmm. or take more from Fantasia? Because parts of it were obvious that they wanted to, like, nod to Fantasia. Yeah. But it was so subtle that... No one can pick it up. It. <laughs> <laughs> and then they didn't do a very good job adapting the book. And the the music in some places was good, but 
mostly forgettable. The the music from the ballet is way better. Yeah. I don't know. All in all, I think as an adaptation of part of Fantasia, Sorcerer's Apprentice did it way better. Yeah. <laughs> and I part of part of the reason why I might have liked Sorcerer's Apprentice more was because now having seen some of the live action remakes that I have not liked, I was mm-hmm. kind of afraid that I was gonna get more of that. And yeah. I didn't. <laughs> like <laughs> And I don't want to get too much into it because eventually I'll have somebody on here and we'll talk about the live action Dumbo, but (laughs) I was not much of a fan of the Dumbo movie. (laughs) And then it it reminded me of the Nutcracker because it was like, it looked great. Mm -hmm. It was really nice to look at. It was like very artistically done, but it felt hollow somehow. It's just like they, they were trying to make me care about these characters and I really didn't. Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't try hard enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I was afraid that The Sorcerer's Apprentice was going to be more of that. And I was very pleasantly surprised that it was not. Now, a large part of that probably is because of the actors. They just, they work so well together. Yeah. It was just... But, and I think because the characters had something to do. Like, you watch Nutcracker and they're not doing anything. That's <laughs> true. They really... <laughs> the, it was a lot of pointless traveling for not yeah. a lot of stuff i don't know <laughs> it's like i'm halfway through this boring movie why are we still being boring here yeah <laughs> i don't know anyways i guess that's as far as i know that's the only live action adaptations of fantasia that there are i keep hearing rumors that they're trying to make a night on bald mountain movie but it seems like it gets canceled and then brought back and i don't know if it's ever going to get made <laughs> that that <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Like, the scene looks good, but, like, who's their target audience? Yeah. <laughs> like, children everywhere are terrified of that scene. Like, I wasn't. Yeah. Like, I'm, I was probably a weird kid because I was not scared of that scene. I, I thought it was cool looking, but I'm in the minority. Like, that scene traumatized children. Yeah. <laughs> so, making a live-action version is not going to be for kids. I guess the only people that it might appeal to is Disney fans. Because I can't see, like, the general public being interested in a Night on Bold Mountain film. Yeah. But it, another, and the problem with that, though, is that the people who would be interested in it are Disney purists. So they'd be like, don't touch my thing. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's, that's really true. Like, <laughs> Disney really can't win with most of these live-action remakes. No, not really. <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see how the two big ones this year come out, Aladdin and Lion King. Like, yeah. a lot of people in my real life are looking forward to it, but they're not, like, super jazzed. They're just like, oh, it looks interesting. I think we should see that. But online, it's like foaming at the mouth angry. <laughs> Why are they making these things? They're ruining my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm in the minority of that. I don't really care one way or the other. I'm not incensed about them. Yeah. But I'm not, like, excited for them, I guess. I don't know. I'm more excited about the Lady and the Tramp one they're making for Disney Plus because they're using actual live dogs. They're not doing CGI. And I think that sounds like a lot more interesting than doing an overblown CGI fest. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they'll actually have facial expressions. I don't know. We'll see what they do. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to like get too excited because it could easily still be bad, but if they do it right, I think it'll be good. 
Well, and Disney, and, if you're listening, I still want a Sorcerer's Apprentice too. So, <laughs> yeah, if they made one, I'd go see it. <laughs> I'd go see it. <laughs> but but he has to wear the hat. Okay, please. Yeah, <laughs> Except the hat. He has to wear the hat. The hat exists within the movie universe, yeah. so there's no excuse not to have him wear it. It's just Infinity Wars, but it's Fantasia Wars. So there. <laughs> that would be an interesting movie. <laughs> they, should, they should make they should make the the Night on Bald Mountain a like a spin-off of this movie and have have Dave the Wizard <laughs> come and, and fight the whatever his name is. Yeah. Chernabog. Um, Chernabog. They should have yeah. the wizard fight Chernabog. Yes. Um, I'd go to that movie. Oh, I I'd would go too. to that movie more than once. <laughs> I mean, Nicolas Cage probably would love to be weird again. So yeah. <laughs> have him come and have like a big wizard's duel. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, though, I was so excited to talk about this movie because I'm like, nobody talks about Sorcerer's Apprentice and it's really just like, it fell off the map. <laughs> well, did you have anything else you wanted to say about it? No, not really. Just like, <laughs> I mean, I probably could talk about it forever and just be like, yeah, what was your favorite quote? And yeah, the Star Wars pun, that was fun. You know? <laughs> Old man shoes. <laughs> Well, I think that's all I have for now. Thanks for coming. This was a lot of fun. Sometime we should think of something else to talk about and do another episode one of these days. Yes. But yes. I'm glad I love talking t- about movies. Yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about these. And even Nutcracker, too. I, I'm I'm glad we mentioned it, even though it, we don't really care for it. Yeah. <laughs> nice to at least talk about it. Well, if they crossed over with Sorcerer's Apprentice, it could have potential there. So. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that would be weird. I think I'd prefer the Chernabog one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for doing this with me, and we'll probably see each other again sometime. If you think of anything else you want to talk about, let me know, and we'll set up a time to do another podcast. Okay. It'll be fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. Well, I will see you next time. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks to Katie for joining me for this episode. I'll have a link to her Twitter if you'd like to check her out. She posts a lot of her artwork and it's always fun to see what she's working on. If you'd like more of my thoughts on the Nutcracker and the Four Realms, I'll have a link in the description to my review with Sol Carlos for her YouTube channel. She doesn't have a podcast, but we practically made a podcast episode after that movie came out. We had so many thoughts about it. Next week, I'll be joined by Rachel Wagner and we'll be talking about a bunch of shorts that all relate to Fantasia in some way, whether they were developed for one of the films and then cut, or made for a proposed third Fantasia film. There are a bunch of really interesting and beautiful shorts out there and we're going to talk about them, so we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you.